let's just spend a few moments in the reading of the word and in prayer. If you have been with us and you've been journeying with us, you know that what we endeavor to do is to read through the entire scripture. We've been reading from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Um, we actually start with the New Testament reading from Matthew to Revelation. And then I've said, you know what, why not? Let's just turn it all around. Let's go back to Genesis and let's read through the Old Testament. And then again, read through the New Testament again. So it's just a journey that we're in together. And it's a journey that we do for 20 to 30 minutes a day. That's it. And I, I want to encourage you guys, for those of you who are looking to increase your understanding of God in a very personal way, in a very um, relational way, I encourage you to spend time to devote yourselves to the reading of God's word from a meditational posture, a posture to receive. And to receive from God, what you're going to do is you're going to ask three questions as you read the word. This isn't a Bible study. I leave that for my Patreon when we do it in Patreon. But this is a Bible reading. This is a meditation of scripture where we're prayerfully asking for God to speak to us through our reading of the word. And in doing so, we ask three questions. The three questions that we ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? That's the first question I want you to be asking and prayerfully thinking through is God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? That's the first question. The second question that I want to encourage you to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? That's the that's the second question I want you to ask. And the third question I want you to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? What are you revealing concerning me? Um, again, three questions that I want you to be asking as we spend time in the word today is, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? Same question is, God, what are you revealing concerning people, your people? And the third question is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? And that's what we're going to do. And I'll open up in prayer and then we're going to get right into it. Father, I thank you for the privilege that you've given us, Lord, to come together to read your word. Father, it is a privilege, Lord, that we've been given this word, Lord, that would give us insight into who you are, that would point us to who you are, that would reveal your heart, your will towards us. So, Father, I ask today, Lord, as we read your word, may we not see simply the stories in the scripture. May we not simply see the words and understand how the words are put together in the scripture. But Father, may we see your heart in the scripture. And so, Father, as we read this, Lord, reveal yourself to us, Lord. Convict us, correct us, Lord, as we read this word, Lord. May this word be a blessing to us. May it be the nourishment that we need for this day. Lord, we ask that in your name we pray. Amen. I encourage you right now to go to Ezekiel 1, verse 1, and then we're going to take it from there. Now it came to pass in the 13th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, I was among the captives by the river Chabar, and the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, which was in the fifth year of King Joachim's captivity, the Lord, the word of God came expressly to Ezekiel the prophet, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chabar. And the hand of the Lord was upon him there. Then I looked, and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north, a great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself, and brightness was all around it and radiating out of the midst of the color of amber, out of the midst of the fire. Also from within it came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance, that they had the likeness of a man." 
Each one had four faces and each one had four wings. Their legs were straight and the soles of their feet were like the soles of calves feet. They were sparkled like the color of burnished bronze. The hands of a man were under their wings on their four sides. Each of the four had faces and wings. Their wings touched one another. The creatures did not turn when they went, but each one went straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, each one had the face of a man. Each of the four had the face of a lion on the right side, and each of the four had the face of an ox on the left side, and each of the four had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces. Their wings stretched upward, two wings of each other, one touched one another, and two covered their bodies, and each one straight forward, and they went wherever the spirit wanted to go. And they did not turn when they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of the torches going back and forth among the living creatures. The fire was bright, and out of the fire went lightning. And living creatures ran back and forth in appearance like a flash of lightning. Now, as I looked at the living creatures, behold, a wheel was on the earth beside each living creature with its four faces. The appearance of the wheels and their workings was like the color of burl, and all four had the same likeness. The appearance of their workings was, as it were, were a wheel in the middle of the wheel. When they moved, they went toward any of the four directions. They did not turn aside when they went. As for their rims, they were so high, they were awesome, and their rims were full of eyes all around the four of them. When the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them. And when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Wherever the spirit wanted to go, they went, because there the spirit went. And the wheels were lifted together with them, for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. When those went, these went, and when those stood, these stood. And when those were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up together with them, for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. The likeness of the firmament above the heads of the living creatures was like the color of an awesome crystal stretched out over their heads under the firmament of their wings spread out straight one toward another. Each one, sorry, each of the two, each had two which covered one side and each one had two which covered the other side of the body. When they went, I heard the noise of their wings, like the noise of many waters, like the voice of the Almighty, a tumult like the noise of an army. And when they stood still, they let down their wings. A voice came from above the firmament that was over their heads. Whenever they stood, they let down their wings. And above the firmament, above their heads, was the likeness of a throne, in the appearance like sapphire stone, on the likeness of a throne was a likeness of the appearance of a man high above it. Also from the appearance of his waist and upward, I saw as it were the color of amber with the appearance of fire all around it. 
and from the appearance of his waist and downward I saw as it were the appearance of fire with brightness all around like the appearance of a rainbow in a cloud on a sunny day so was the appearance of the brightness all around it this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God So when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the voice of one speaking. And he said to me, chapter two, son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak to you. When the spirit entered me, sorry, then the spirit entered me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet. And I heard him who spoke to me. And he said to me, son of man, I am sending you to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day, for they are impudent and stubborn children. I'm sending you to them and you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God, as for them, when they hear or wherever they refuse, for they are rebellious house, yet they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns are with you and you dwell among scorpions. Do not be afraid of their words or dismayed by their looks, though they are rebellious house. You shall speak my words to them whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are rebellious. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Now, when I looked, there was the hand outstretched out, sorry, a hand stretched out to me and behold, a scroll of a book in it. Then he spread it before me. And there was writing on the inside and on the outside and written on it were lamentations and mourning and woe. <laughs> Moreover, he said to me, son of man, eat what you find, eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my, out, my mouth and he caused me to eat that scroll. And he said to me, son of man, feed your belly and fill your stomach with this scroll that I give you. So I ate and it was in my mouth like honey in sweetness. Then he said to me, son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak my words with them. For you are not sent to a people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language, but to the house of Israel, not to many people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language. Those words you cannot understand. Surely had I sent you to them, they would have listened to you. But the house of Israel will not listen to you because they will not listen to me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard hearted. Behold, I have made your face strong against their faces and your forehead strong against their forehead, like adamant stone, harder than flint. I have made your forehead. Do not be afraid of them, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they are a rebellious house. Moreover, he said to me, son of man, receive into your heart all my words that I speak to you and hear with your ears and go and tell the captives to the children of Israel, sorry, to the children of your people and speak to them and tell them, thus says the Lord God, whether they hear or whether they refuse. Then the spirit lifted me up 
and I heard behind me a great thunderous voice. Blessed be, I'm sorry, blessed is the glory of the Lord from his place. I also heard the noise of the wings of the living creatures that touched one another and the noise of the wheels behind them and a great thunderous noise. So the spirit lifted me up and took me away and I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit, but the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. Then I came to the captives of Tel Abib who dwelt in the river Shabar and I sat where they sat and remained there astonished among them seven days. Let's keep reading. Ezekiel 4. You also, son of man, take a clay tablet and lay it before you and portray it on a city, Jerusalem. Lay siege against it. Build a siege wall against it and, and heap up a mound against it. Set camps against it also, and a plate and place battering rams against it all around. Moreover, take for yourself an iron plate and set it as an iron wall between you and the city. Set your face against it, and it shall be besieged, and you shall lay siege against it. This will be a sign to the house of Israel. Hmm. Lie also on your left side and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it. According to the number of days that you lie on it, you shall bear their iniquity. For I have laid on you the years of their iniquity, according to the number of the days, 390 days. So you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Israel when you have completed them. Lie again on your right side. Then you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Judah 40 days. I have laid on you a day for each year. Therefore, you shall set your face toward the siege of Jerusalem. Your arm shall be uncovered and you shall prophesy against it. And you will surely restrain, sorry, and, and surely, goodness gracious, and surely, verse eight, I will restrain you so that you cannot turn from one side to another till you have ended the days of your siege. Also, take for yourself wheat, barley, beans, lentils, millet, and spelt. Put them into one vessel and make bread for them for yourself. During the number of days you shall lie on your side, 390 days you shall eat it. And your food, which you, sh you eat, shall be by weight 20 shekels a day. From time to time you shall eat it. You shall also drink water by measure, one-sixth of a hen. From time to time you shall drink. And you shall eat it as barley cakes and bake it, using it as fuel of human waste in their sight. Then the Lord said, So shall the children of Israel eat their defiled bread among the Gentiles, where I will drive them. So I said, O Lord, indeed, I have never defiled myself from my youth till now. I have never eaten what died of itself or was torn by beasts, nor has abominable fresh flesh ever come into my mouth. Then he said to me, see, I am giving you cow dung instead of human waste, and you shall prepare your bread over it. Moreover, he said to me, son of man, surely I will cut off the supply of bread in Jerusalem. They shall eat bread by weight and with anxiety and shall drink water by measure and with dread. 
and they may lack bread and water and be dismayed with one another and waste away because of their iniquity. Chapter 5 And you, son of man, take a sharp sword, take it as a barber's razor, and pass it over your head and your beard. Then take scales to weigh and divide the hair. You shall burn with fire one-third in the midst of the city. When the days of the siege are finished, then you shall take one-third and strike it around with a sword. With the sword. And one-third you shall scatter in the wind. I will draw out the sword after them. You shall also take a number of them and bind them in the cage of your garment. Then take some of them again and throw them into the midst of the fire and burn them in the fire. From there, a fire will go out into all the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, this is Jerusalem. I have set her in the midst of the nations and countries all around her. She has rebelled against my judgments by doing wickedness more than the nations and against my statutes more than the countries that are all around her. For they have refused my judgments, and they have not walked in my statutes. Goodness gracious. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have multiplied disobedience more than the nations that are all around you, have not walked in my statutes, nor kept my judgments, nor even done according to the judgments of the nations that are all around you. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, indeed, I, even I am against you and will execute judgments in your midst in the sight of the nations. And I will do among you what you have never done and the like of which I will never do again because of all your abominations. Therefore, fathers shall eat their sons in your midst. Sons shall eat their fathers. And I will execute judgments among you and all of you who remain, I will scatter to all the winds. Therefore, as I live, says the Lord, surely because you have defiled my sanctuary with all your detestable things and with all your abominations, therefore, I will also diminish you. My eye will not spare, nor will I have any pity. One third of you shall die in pestilence and be consumed with the famine in your midst. One third shall fall by the sword all around you and will scat and, and I will scatter another third to all the winds and I will draw out a sword after them. Thus, my anger will be spent and I will cause my fury to rest upon them, and I will be avenged. And they shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it in my zeal, when I have spent my fury upon them. Moreover, I will make you a waste and a reproach among the nations that are all around you in the sight of all who pass by. So it shall be a reproach, a taunt, a lesson, and an astonishment to the nations that are all around you. When I execute judgments among you in anger and in fury and in furious rebukes, I, the Lord, have spoken. When I send against them the terrible arrows of famine, which shall be for destruction, which I will send to destroy you, I will increase the famine upon you and cut off your supply of bread. So I will send against you famine and wild beasts, and they will bereave you. Pestilence and blood shall pass through you, and I will bring the sword against you. I, the Lord, have spoken. We're going to stop right there. 
we're going to stop right there. I think it's an appropriate place for us to stop and we'll continue on. If you're jumping in, you're wondering, what is it that this guy is doing? He's reading through the scripture. Some of you guys are going to be listening to this later on uh, in the day. Some of you guys may be listening to this later on when it shows up on the Read and Rant podcast. If you're a patron, thank you so much for supporting. I will definitely be posting this right after so you guys will be able to get a chance to listen to this and to read it. But this is what we engage in. This is what we commit to is to spend time in the reading of the word every day. We read every day and we read through it. And what I hope we can accomplish in our time together as we read his word is that we would be able to see the scriptures within the context of the entire total scripture, the entire total curated word of God. Why is that important? It's important that we read it within a broader context, because if you read it within the microcosm or the microscope of this particular moment and this particular space, you can be left feeling like, man, God is an angry God. I think sometimes what happens is, is that people will read through the Bible but they'll read through the Bible and read each particular point independent of the, the grand narrative or the grand scripture. And because they don't read it through the entire grand narrative, they're going to read this and they're going to say, hmm, man, oh man, God must be an angry God. Man, God is a judgmental God. God is a God of wrath. He's an angry God and he's pissed off at his people. And this is what God does when his people make mistakes. He burns them, destroys them, he kills them. And that's what people generally get when they read this from the microscope. People have microcosmic approaches to the reading of God's word, which is a great error. And that's why we spend this time together. This is why we read through the entire scripture. This is why we read through the entire narrative, because if you just read a particular specific space in it, you're going to miss the big picture. You're going to miss the grand narrative. We see all this injustice and all this evil and all the ugliness in the world. And of course, the first person that we go to that we attribute it to is God. We say, well, where's God in this? Why isn't God correcting this? Why isn't God making this right? Not realizing that all the things that are broken, all the things that are impure, all the things that are evil, all the things that are unjust are a result of distance from God, not the apathy of God. I have to make sure I, I say this. It's not, it's not a result of God's apathy, but the result of our distance. Can I say that one more time? It's not a result of God's apathy, but it's a result of God's distance. And there are a lot of folks today, a lot of us today, we struggle with why bad things are happening in our lives. We struggle with why evil is in the world. We struggle with why there's poverty, with why there's pestilence. We struggle with these things and we wonder, is God apathetic? But have we ever asked ourselves the question, could it be that we're distant? Is it that God is apathetic or is it that we have been distant from him? 
Because often when we see evil in the world, we, we ask ourselves the question, why isn't God doing something about it? But what if it is because we're distant from him that there's evil in the world? Maybe the evil is our fault, not God's fault. See what I thought about that? Maybe the evil is not God's doing or God's undoing, but ours. And the beauty of the story of God is that God then takes a unmeasurable effort to enter back into our presence, to enter back into our existence, to come back into our reality, to make right the things that we made wrong. And we miss the grander part of the story because we can get stuck in this part because, man, this looks tough. I'll preface by saying this, that Ezekiel is, oh, my goodness. If there's a heavy book, it doesn't get much heavier than Ezekiel. There's just a lot here, more here than I can really invest time into, especially in the little short time that we have here. I'm not even going to open the can of worms about the revelations and the visions of Isaiah because there are so many schools of thought about the visions sorry, not Isaiah, of Ezekiel in chapter one and in chapter two. We see the visions of Ezekiel and it points to a lot of which we see then pointed from Revelation back to Ezekiel. Ezekiel is foreshadowing, receiving prophetic revelations of what is to happen, what is to transpire. And yet we don't really have this. We don't have the time. We're not afforded the time to really break that down. However, I do want to at least point to the, the one thing that the Lord is really convicting me of today as we read through the word. And maybe we'll do a Bible study on Ezekiel because <laughs> we'll need to do that um, to really fully understand. We can't even really fully understand Ezekiel because there's so many questions. Even today, theologians don't even agree on a lot of these points. So we're not here to be an authority of any in any way about some of the nuances and the prophetic minutiae that we see in this particular form, this particular text. However, there are things, though, that I really want to point out to, which actually are the things that matter. <laughs> he gives Ezekiel a word, a scroll, and he tells him to eat the scroll, consume the scroll. He eats it and he finds that it's sweeter than a honeycomb, Ezekiel chapter three. Then Ezekiel then has been given the call, the mandate to be a watchman over Israel. And he begins to speak into things that will happen and things that will transpire, very similar to what Jeremiah was speaking about. These are things that are happening historically. We read the historicity, the historical dimension of this in um, in the book of First and Second Chronicles and in First and Second Kings. What we're reading in Isaiah. Uh, Jeremiah in Ezekiel and in the other prophets as well is we're reading the prophetic angle from the perspective of the prophet, not the king now, but from the perspective of the prophet of the same story and the same thing that transpired. This is just another angle. Okay. A little bit of Bible study to this. This is just another angle. This is a prophetic angle about her historical reality. 
And we don't get to talk about the spiritual dimension of this because there's a spirituality, a spiritual element that we're not going to get into detail about today. However, there's an important thing to catch on this is that as Jeremiah had mentioned before, when Babylon came and took siege over Jerusalem and took the children of Israel captive, Jeremiah called these people, the Babylonians, these, these evil people. He says that they were called by God. They were actually servants of God performing judgment over a people that God had a covenant with. Meaning what they thought was seemingly evil was actually the work of God to bring restoration and justice, not only to Israel, but to humanity. What if the evil we see in the moment is a consequence of the evil we didn't see. And what if the evil we see in the moment is to expose the evil that is within? And what if it takes the exposing of evil for God now to really bring justice? We see the wrath of God. And it's easy for me to look and say, well, because Israel disobeyed God, God would do this to Israel. And yet we don't realize that the judgment of God comes out of our distance from God. Proximity to God in his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence is healing. In his presence is breakthrough. In his presence is victory. These people have distanced themselves from God have found themselves to be good all by themselves, have found themselves to be able to live a life the way they want to live, and in doing so, have committed evils that supersede the evils of the evil nations. The people who were called by God, who God put his name on, who God anointed, who God set aside, who made a covenant with God to bring the justice and the righteousness of God, to make things right again in the world. These people who God said he was going to flow his blessings through, these very people were performing the evils that that rived, not, not only rivaled the evils of the nations around them, but superseded the evils of the nations around them. And then we see these judgments and we say, man, this is ugly. Why would God punish them in this way? Yet we don't understand that the wrath of God is necessary to sustain the righteousness of God. God cannot be righteous and perfect and for evil to be performed and for there not to be consequences. God cannot be perfect and righteous. It's like one of those things like, well, why doesn't God allow, you know, why does God treat us or treat sin in the way that he treats it? Because he is righteous. And if God doesn't treat sin the way he treats it, then God cannot be righteous. And if God is not righteous, then he's not holy. And if he's not holy, then he's not God. God cannot be God if evil and sin persists. 
more so for even the children of Israel, who he called by his name, who carry his banner. The people of God will not get away with the things that the people of the enemy get away with. God's going to execute his righteousness and his judgment, but we miss it because we simply look at it and not realize that the very point of this text is to point to the fact that sin demands justice. Sin demands the righteous wrath of God. And I think this is the part that we miss sometimes is we, you know, we, we love to run to the forgiveness of God. But what value does the forgiveness of God have when you don't understand the depth of the wrath of God? Can I say that one more time? What, what value is it? Does the goodness of God have unless you really fully comprehend the weight and the ugliness of the wrath of God? And so many of us want to run to just the goodness of God, not realizing you can't know how good God is until you know how ugly your sin is. You can't fully even accept how good God is until you realize what your sin demanded. You, you can't, you can't know how profoundly how profoundly gracious God has been until you know what you actually deserve. If you believe that your sins deserve a slap on the wrist, if you believe that your mistakes didn't deserve death, if you believe that you're just a good person and you're good enough for heaven on your own, if you believe that, then you've really offended what God has done. You offended the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. You've said that God, you didn't need to pay as much as you paid. All you needed to do was just give me a little tap and a slap on the wrist. How about if I told you, you can't truly conceive and perceive the abundant goodness of God until you acknowledge how ugly your sin is and what your sin deserves. And until you acknowledge that, that you won't fully, fully accept that you are hopeless in yourself. And it took the spirit of God, the goodness of God, the love of God, the will of God to transform you and to make you something new. You are new because God loves you. That's the power of Jesus. It's not by your ability and by your doing, but by the value that God put on you. As much as sin deserved wrath, the powerful thing, and here's, here it is on the other side of it, is that it was a wrath that God paid for himself in Jesus Christ. You don't know the depth of the sacrifice of Jesus until you know the width and the breadth of the wrath of God. And what Ezekiel is pointing to here is what the wrath of God looks like for the children of Israel. But he tells them this. He says the wrath started before the punishment, 
but the very wrath was akin to the fact that they feel that they're independent in themselves. I got a couple more minutes, so stay with me because this is really the whole point of today's read and rant and the one thing that God is really speaking into me about. And I think he needs to speak to each and every one of us about. He needs to speak to each and every one of us about this. That we, like Israel, become so self-sufficient, so self-dependent, so I can do me and be me. Tell me what I got to do. Whatever I got to do, I'm going to do it. How many verses do I have to read? How many things do I have to do? And I realize that I'm hopelessly powerless without him. But no, I can I can do bad all by myself. And yes, you can do bad all by yourself. And yet here it is. That in the place of self-sufficiency is where idolatry creeps in. It's where it's where the idolatry of self, the idolatry of culture, the idolatry of power, the idolatry of influence, the idolatry of government, the idolatry of money, the idolatry of economics, the idolatry of sociology, the idol- all the forms of idolatry that we have formed is formulated around a level of I can do me. And we see it here that for the children of Israel, their comfort and their self-sufficiency was led in consequence to their idolatry and their injustice. And their idolatry and their injustice brought about semblances of freedom, wealth. We call that bread nowadays. Our culture calls it bread. I might make this a sermon one day. (laughs) And we're all about the bread. We want to eat the cake. We want to make the bread. And so we make the cake and we, we, we make the cake and we eat the bread and we eat the cake and we have our cake and we think we can eat it too. And we do all of that. But notice what God is pointing Ezekiel to is that they've been making bread. But the bread don't taste as good as they think. Wow, we've been making bread. But the bread's not as delicious as they make it. We can make the bread. But the bread doesn't do to the body what they think it's doing. And so, Ezekiel, I'm calling you to do one thing because they're never going to get it until I call a prophet to do it. Prophet, what I'm calling you to do is to make some bread. And this bread you're going to make with wheat, barley, beans, lentil, millet, spelt. And you're going to cook this bread. This is where we get the term Ezekiel bread from, by the way. And you're going to make this bread and 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 you're going to eat this bread. 
for over a year, just like they've been eating the bread. And then he says in verse 10, and your food you shall eat by weight, 20 shekels a day. From time to time you shall eat it. Just keep eating the bread. And 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 you're gonna drink some water with the bread because the because the bread's gonna make you thirsty. But then you're gonna eat the bread, and you shall eat it. And notice what he says: and you shall eat it as barley cakes and bake it, using fuel of human waste in their sight. Because whatever is coming out from what they put in, is not gonna smell good. It's not gonna taste good, and it's not going to. Be good. Anybody ever done an Ezekiel bread fast? I don't know if you know what comes out. It doesn't come out very good. <laughs> the bread is not to say it's bad for your health. It's actually pretty good for your health. But what comes out of it isn't very good. And, he says, and I'm going to add some more to that, Ezekiel. Not only are you going to eat this bread... But you're going to spread cow dung all over it. He's, he's literally telling them, you're going to eat a crap sandwich. And this is what I'm calling you to do, Ezekiel, is to eat a crap sandwich. You're going to take this bread, you're going to eat it, you're going to take the barley, and you're going to bake it in your belly. And after you bake this in your belly, you're going to push it out. And after you push it out, you're going to take some cow dung in verse 15. And you're going to spread it instead of the human waste. And you shall prepare your bread over it. What if God called you to do that? Just for a second. I just think about that for a second. Like God says to you, hey, um, so here's what I want you to do. Um, I need you for 398 days to eat a crap sandwich. And I want you to eat in front of them. And I, I want them to see you eat it. Would you do it? I don't know. I I'd, I'd have a conversation with God. I'm going to be honest with you. I'd be like, man, Lord, listen, I don't know. I don't know if I can do that, God. I don't know if I can do that for you for how many days? I can't even do it for one. And he said, eat it on a regular basis from time to time. Eat the crap sandwich. Verse 14, I say, ah, Lord God, indeed, I have never defiled myself from my youth until now. I have never eaten what died of itself or was torn by beasts, nor has abominable flesh to come into my mouth. I followed all the rules, God. I followed the law. I'm doing, I've done it right. And then he says to me, see, I'm giving you cow dung instead of human waste. And you shall prepare your bread over it. Why is he telling him to do that? Because look at verse 16. Son of man, surely I will cut off the supply of bread in Jerusalem and they shall eat bread by weight and with anxiety and drink water by measure with dread that they may lack bread with water and be dismayed with one another and waste away because of their iniquity. 
Ezekiel is living out physically what the children of Israel will be living out spiritually. He's living out physically what they have been living out spiritually. <laughs> and he's saying, this is what my judgment will look like. Even everything they eat is crap. Everything they consume will be crap. Why does that matter today? Because sometimes it takes us going through some stuff to realize some of the stuff that we eat and celebrate. And when I say eat, I'm talking about just life. The things we value, the things we push, the positions we take in government and institution, the, the, the political arguments that we have, the things that we say in debate, the things that we celebrate, the things that we rest our hope on, it's all crap. The things that we say is valuable, the things that we put before God, it's all crap. But we eat it and we eat it and we eat it over and over again and we do it over and over again. We value it over and over again. We fight over it over and over again. People die for these things over and over again. But then when you look in the end, it's all crap. Without the grace and the blessing of our Heavenly Father, without the will of our Father intact, it's all crap. Anything distant from God is crap. Anything we say that we do and we think, man, this is just how we got to live because that's how everybody else lives. Crap. We're not even pushed by the conviction of God's heart anymore. We're pushed by what the culture says is right. We don't have a church that's convicted by the heart and the will of God. We have churches that are either convicted by politics and policy or by culture or by what's comfortable, not realizing that they're just eating crap. And as much as Israel had all the intentions of being who God called them to be as God's chosen people, here they are now, submitted to the reality that they're living like everybody else. Crap. And in the end, God's judgment exposes the fact that it's what you consume that's been crap. And my question for you today is just take a look at your day. Like, take a look at your day. Take a look at the things you celebrate. I know this is, this is, you know, tough, but it's real. And it's the love of God. It's the grace of God for you. It's just take a look at your day. Examine your week. Examine last week and ask yourself, where was the nourishment of God's word? And where was the nourishment of God's spirit? Where was the nourishment in my week? Or did I spend my week consuming crap?
Like, did I, did I, did I do as the Israelites did? Did I just spend time just eating crap? <laughs> this is an opportunity to check and say to yourself, what have I been living and doing? Like, remember, this is, this is Ezekiel who's been called by God. This is Ezekiel who has the who who who's fulfilling the will of God and God is using him as a prophet to reveal to Israel the reality in this moment. Have I been a minister of justice? Have I been a minister of righteousness? Have I have I operated in the will of God or have I simply been consumed and dominated by crap? Am I just taking what comes out of everybody's mouths. Have I been listening to whitewashed tombstones? Have I been receiving over and over again crap? Like, am I, am I ingesting crap. I mean, we're looking at Ezekiel like, oh my God, this is so disgusting. How could Ezekiel do this? He's just eating crap. But Ezekiel's eating crap because the children of Israel don't know that they've been eating crap. We're so afraid of what the enemy will do to us, but we're not afraid of what we're actually doing to ourselves. What have we been putting in our bodies? What have we been putting in our mind? What have we been putting in our soul? What have we been influencing in our heart? What has been coming in? Because no one's forcing it on us. We're doing it to us. So today, Ask yourself, what are you eating? That's it. What are you eating? What are you consuming? When you spend your time on TikTok and you spend your time on Instagram and you spend your time on Twitter, are you just consuming crap? When you spend your time doing the church thing, are you being convicted and convinced by God's word and, and his justice and his heart, or are you pushing crap? Are you following God's heart? Or are you following your idols? Are you following who God is and his character, or are you following him? Are you following him, his character, his heart, or are you following what your pastor said? What? What, what culture says is right. What are you, are you spending time with him? Because it could be possible that you're eating crap today. It's, it, it, we're tight. It's tough because we see this is idolatrous Israel, but we'll see where Ezekiel takes us because he doesn't just stay here. But y'all, as we're stressed and disgusted by Ezekiel, let's be sensitive to what we consume. Let's be sensitive to what's coming into our bodies. 
Let's be sensitive to what's coming into our minds. Let's be sensitive to what's coming into us. Father, we thank you, Lord, that sometimes your word is tough. Man, we read, when we read the prophets, it's always tough. But it's never hopeless. It's always tough and it's it's good. It's sweet because it leads us to you. It reorients us to your heart. It leads us to a place of flourishing. It leads us to a place of like, glory. And Father, I just pray even as we spend time in your word, let us not be hopeless, but hopeful. Let's not just be convinced, but let's be convicted. Lord, to know, Lord, that you have called us to a higher calling. Lord, to know, Lord, that you have called us, Lord, to examine ourselves every day in the same way that your word examines us. So as we examine ourselves today, Father, Lord, teach us, Lord, to mitigate things that are coming in, Lord, that are not of substance. Lord, the things that are coming in, Lord, that, Lord, really bring no flourishing and no fruit in our lives, in our marriages, in our families. Lord, that we would learn to consume what is good to dwell on what is good. So Father, I just ask, Lord, that you would give us guidance, give us wisdom to know Lord, what we ought to do. So we hear you today. We're sensitive to you today. And we say that in your name we pray. Amen. Family, I love y'all. I love y'all very much. And I thank you guys. On Wednesday, we will have our Bible study, as I mentioned before. Please subscribe on TikTok or also become a patron on Patreon. The link is in the bio to become a patron on Patreon. I'm going to post this on Patreon. This will be available in two weeks. So I start kicking off the podcast again. Um, so this will be available in two weeks. But I want to encourage you guys to stick with us, Lord. Continue to read with us. Continue to journey with us in the reading of scripture. And uh, we will start Bible study. We're going to journey through the book of Ephesians. So that's going to be exciting. Uh, we're just going to journey through Ephesians. And, um, and so Bible study will be at 7 p.m. Now on the chat, it will be available to everyone on TikTok. However, the chat will be just subscriber only, only to remove all the distractions. So it'll be subscriber only. I want to quickly shout out Michelle's son's birthday. Happy birthday, Michelle. Tell your son happy birthday. I'm going to have him in prayer. He's going to be in my mind and my thoughts today. So I'm encouraged by that. Um, but y'all, I love y'all very much. See you guys tomorrow. We're going to continue reading the word and we will have our read and rant um, tomorrow on Wednesday and on Thursday, not on Friday, but from Monday through Thursday. And we will have our Bible study on Wednesday. So I look forward to journeying with you guys on Wednesday night. Okay. Um, and it will be on Patreon as well. And I look to keep my Bible study a little bit shorter. We'll see. Uh, so that I can take questions on what we're studying. So I can take questions from each of you. Um, and so it'll be a subscriber. So subscribers on TikTok and, uh, subscribers on, uh, or on, um, on Patreon. Our patrons on Patreon will be able to chat with us as well um so i look forward to you guys love y'all um, also text me 954-231-1848 it's free so just text me um and you'll be able to get synopsis of our readings and also follow me on patreon so even if you're not a patron 
follow me on Patreon. And if you can't support, you're not able to support, you don't feel like you're ready to support, that's perfectly fine. Just follow me anyway because I will send updates there. Like on Thursday, I wasn't feeling well. I posted it on Patreon. And some of you guys may not have gotten in. On Patreon, I po- I can post for the general audience or I can post just for my patrons. So I want to make sure you guys all stay up to date and you're, you're kept apprised when things change along the way. All right? Um, but yeah, and subscribe to the podcast. So um, the Read and Rant podcast podcast which is getting closer and closer to 200,000 downloads so i'm i'm honored by all of you who support who share who like all of you guys i love you guys very very much i don't know what patreon is it is just click the link in the bio sweet blue eyes and you'll 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 see it there they become a patron link um, just click that and it'll guide you all the way through. So I look forward to you guys. Love you guys. Love your support. Thank you so much. And, um, and, uh, I'll be praying for your son. All right. God bless you guys. Love y'all. Peace out.